A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. This is our 300th episode and we wanted to do something really special. We are devoting this episode to crimes that don't get a lot of attention, crimes against animals and those who seek justice on their behalf. Our cases this week both made national headlines for the extreme and violent way each dog was stolen. In Ventura County, just north of Los Angeles, a beautiful female German Shepherd named Pretty Girl was stolen from an animal rescue facility, and it was all caught on surveillance. A man broke in and took her. She didn't want to go willingly. She fought her attacker the whole time. He dragged her by the collar. Hours later, she was found dying on the side of the freeway. Pretty Girl did not survive. An outraged community demanded justice and ultimately the man responsible was convicted and sentenced to jail time. The rescue that saved Pretty Girl will be joining us. But first, the video that went viral of a woman in Los Angeles holding onto the hood of a speeding car in an attempt to stop the people who kidnapped her dog, a black and white male French bulldog named Onyx. The owner held on to the car for as long as she could until the dog nappers swerved the car and she was thrown off. We are recording this on Valentine's Day, February 14th of 2024. Our guest today is Luis Bolaños, a former homicide investigator with more than 30 years of law enforcement experience. He runs his own private investigation firm called Get Bit, and he volunteers a big part of his time to help victims and survivors of crime. He is one of our favorites, one of your favorites, a dear friend of mine. Welcome back, Luis. It is such a pleasure to have you on the program again. How are you? Hi, Anna. Great to see you again. Again. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I feel very honored and privileged to be part of this special episode. So thank you. Thank you for including me. Um, 300. I I just want to say to get to 300 is an amazing accomplishment, but I know why. And because I have a unique view of what happens behind the scenes. And I've personally seen and witnessed happily the work and passion you put into these investigations. Uh, with the goal of moving, helping moving justice in the right direction and, and really sometimes just simply doing the right thing. Uh, it's a privilege to be part of that and to work with you on any case, but uh, I'm, I'm so happy for you and the TCD family. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Louis. I so appreciate it. Um, our regular listeners and viewers know that you are a personal friend of mine, that we work on cases together, and I had the great privilege of seeing you over the weekend in Seattle and spending some time with you. And we were actually talking about this case and prepping for this case, of course, because it's never just like having lunch together. Right. That's what we do. (laughs) Um, The reason we wanted to do this as a special episode is, of course, we feel strongly about any crimes committed against all of the vulnerable animals and people. But Lewis and I, um, you know, we we both had rescue dogs. We both lost our precious for babies, our animals, our family members within a month of each other. And um, we've both been sad and grieving that loss. So I think when we see cases where people hurt these animals, it just hurts us that much more. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, we, we, we love being a voice for the voiceless and, and animals are the true poster kids for uh, the voiceless. Yeah, they just can't tell you what's going on. You have to be observant. And, and when something happens to help them get justice. And I, I think that's part of the journey we're on today. Yeah. And also for those of you, um, you, you know, who are regular listeners, you would know that the, the secret life of Luis Bolaños is fascinating. There's always a story to share. And you yourself have investigated animal cruelty cases. I have. I have. And so I, I think this is a good fit right now. I want to tell you about two quick cases that I think will tie into what we're talking about. But in my early patrol years, uh, one of the cases I had in my first year working in the Coachella Valley in, near Palm Springs, California, I went to a place a family had reported their dog stolen. Uh, and this was in a very unincorporated area, uh, a very rough area. But when, when I contacted the family, they told me the story and how they bought, how they went out, rescued their German shepherd, who was a two-year-old female. And the kids, it was a Christmas present from dad to the family, three kids. And they loved this dog, just loved this dog. This And I, we all get that, right? This dog more than a dog, more than an animal. This dog was family. The dog was stolen from them. Someone went into the backyard and stole the dog. So long story short, I, I, things kept falling into place on that day. And call. I went from neighbor to neighbor to neighbor to neighbor to neighbor and to following leads. In eight hours, I found that dog and brought that dog back to the owners. And to this day, I remember how happy those kids were in the family. And because and, they really thought they would never see that dog again. The reason I'm telling you this story, happy ending, that they don't all turn out like all turn out like that. But when I went back to the station at the end of my duty day, my sergeant called me in his office. He lambasted me. He roasted me, and he was very unhappy that I spent the entire day looking for a dog. Mm. And you know that resonated with me because I thought, all right. I'll do it again. <laughs> so no worries <laughs> there. Okay. You really changed my mind. You really gave me a clear picture of what you're about, but that feeling that he represented to me that day is something that's still happening in law enforcement today in many places. Move ahead a year later or so I get a call of dogs that were found dead <laughs> um, near their owner's house. They were in a crosswalk. I'm giving the super short version here, but I go to this call and with some other officers there, well-seasoned officers, I was still a young deputy. And it was pretty obvious that we determined that these dogs had been hit by a car because both their necks were broken. Oh. They were in the street and killed instantly. We went back to the owners who happened to be major A-listers in Hollywood. They had a big show on at the time. They were oh. a massive show. And they insisted that the dogs were poisoned and stolen out their backyard and killed and then put into the crosswalk. They insist, they wouldn't let it go and they wanted to speak to my supervisor because there was nothing to indicate that. In fact, we found a back gate that was open. Well, the supervisor shows up and has a discussion with these A-listers and the decision is made by the supervisor to roll the entire forensics team and treat this as if it was a homicide of a human. Um, and, and I got to tell you, and he, he also was instructed to sprinkle fingerprint print powder everywhere. And he called it PR dust um, just to just to, you know. And so, I mean, there's both extremes where nothing's done. If something good happens, you, you, you still get lambasted for wasting your time on an animal to 
these people are special. Let's treat their case differently than you would anybody else. So I think we still have that spectrum, that full spectrum to today. Um, and I'm hoping we can help move that in the right direction also. But it's always been a problem historically, and I think it's going to continue to be an issue. It's just not a case that departments put on their top list here for a variety of reasons. And I, I get that. But where is the perfect balance? Yeah. And these two cases did get police attention. One, there's been an arrest. The other one, there's been a prosecution and a sentencing. So these are cases in which law enforcement took these these animal cruelty cases quite seriously. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our first case is out of Los Angeles, and it has shocked everyone that has seen the video of the woman clinging on to the hood of a car in an attempt to stop the people who stole her dog. The driver swerved and threw the woman off the car. Thank God she was not seriously injured. The crime occurred on January 18th when Allie Zacharias was on a lunch break. She was at Whole Foods with her Frenchie Onyx, a year-old male who's very unique-looking, spotted with multiple colors, different colored eyes. A woman took the dog, started walking away with him, got into a car with other people. That's when Allie realized, you know, this is a really serious thing. This isn't a joke. This is really happening. So she says she stood in front of the car to try and stop the driver from going forward, but instead the driver went through her and she hung on to the hood of the car, and Lewis, despite her best efforts, the thieves got away and got away with Onyx. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. And Onyx is still missing to this day. Um, you know, it, it's incredible footage, very powerful. And uh, to, to watch Allie, who we'll meet here shortly, uh, jump on the hood of that car um, to protect her loved one, her dog. I, I get it. I completely get it. Um, you know, I... You know, whether it's the best decision or not, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's something that I can say I wouldn't do. I get the passion. It's your family member. And yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to keep my dog from leaving with that that suspect. Um, because there's a very good chance you'll never see that dog again. But the beauty about Onyx is that such a unique looking dog. So unique. And that's probably the best tool, one of the best ones, to bring in that dog back to Ali. Uh, the owner, and uh, I'm hoping that we can push in that direction. Yeah, there's also been an arrest in this case since this happened. It's been a month that Onyx has been missing, but a lot of things have happened in this case. And, you know, the one person we all want to talk to is Ali Zacharias. I mean, to hear from her this experience, the agony, the trauma of having your dog taken, I can't even imagine. We now have Allie with us. Allie, I'm so sorry for what has happened to you, has happened to Onyx. How are you doing? It's hard. I'm uh, struggling a little bit, and I um, am trying to figure out how to stay strong because I'm just frustrated. I want him back already, and it has been a month. 
and that's dragging on. So at this point, the only thing that I could figure out to do is we've started a foundation called don't take my dog.com because we want to help other people because this is becoming a, um, a problem and people are stealing dogs and we want them to have some sort of resources. So we have a lot of like different as aspects to the site. We're going to have a um, PIs, private investigators in on the site to help actually like recover the dogs. And we want to have like, pictures of all the stolen dogs up with the amount of days they've been missing and try to, um, ask other people what they would do to show what would what would you do for your dog um, and just make it a, a great resource for people to try and recover these stolen dogs so they don't get forgotten because it really is terrible. It's just such a bad feeling. It's the only thing I can do to like get through this time right now. So Allie, I feel like you were traumatized several times. First, there is the taking of your dog, a member of your family. And then there is this video that shows you hanging on in such a fierce manner. Honestly, it's the most shocking, one of the most shocking things I've seen. Allie, were you not terrified at this moment? I was terrified, but I wasn't thinking, like, I wasn't thinking through it the way you're thinking about it. You're just going with the moment. It's, it's if I had planned to do this, I would have never planned to do that. Um, if I thought through it, I had a moment to think through it, I probably would have um, gotten off the car before they took off or tried to roll off. I don't know. It just happened as it did. But the video saved me because this this happened and I didn't have any way to explain it to people. I told people, you know, I was on the hood and they said, okay, we're so sorry. That sounds terrible, but no one understood. Uh, it was a week with us not, you know, starting to put up flyers, not having any um, press or anything like that. And then suddenly this video came out and it changed everything because it is impactful. People couldn't believe that's what I meant when I said I was on the hood of a car. <laughs> so really people were not believing you. Did the police believe you when you called them before the video? They, yeah, I don't think they understood to the extent that I was on the car. <laughs> Amazing. That video changed everything. Lewis, don't you believe, you know, we have some thoughts about how the police, why and why the police, the LAPD has, has stepped up here and, and so far even made an arrest. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah, I, I, I think, Ali, how do, how do you feel? I think I read some of your comments in, in previous interviews you've done, but do you think media motivated law enforcement at all? Yes, yes. That's why I'm so thankful for this press, because it's definitely lit a fire under the uh, police. Um, Detective Ramirez said to me, this is the only case I'm working on, and he's really um, trying to focus on it. Unfortunately, what I've learned is there's a lot of protocol that the police have to go through in order to get anything done. They have to get, you know, a judge to sign off on, you know, the search. They have to have everything has to be like legally done and it ends up slowing down the process extensively which i i don't even know how you can solve a case with all this protocol yeah um, there are a lot of layers definitely. So. and it's the other side of it too i mean if it's exigent circumstance if they have leads that are happening right now they can they can act on that but that they have to parallel that at the same time with uh dotting their i's and crossing their t's getting search warrants arrest warrants when it's appropriate there's, there's a balance there, but it really shouldn't interfere with it. If we get a phone call and you say your dog is over here right now, you should be able to go over there and secure that scene right. while the paperwork is being uh, obtained to, to make sure you do everything right. And that's the main thing here because you want it to stick. 
right? If they do make an apprehension in this, I have to ask, did you recognize this uh, Slater, the suspect that was arrested in this? Uh, I did. I actually, I actually um, put picture out of a lineup. It was a photo lineup that I went and did before they went to a restaurant because they wanted to be sure. Let me just clarify this for anyone who's listening. Let's, let's be very clear here. The LAPD made an arrest on February 2nd. They arrested 21-year-old Sadie Slater in connection with this crime. She was booked on suspicion of robbery. Bail was set at 70000 She posted bond. We do not know if she has entered a plea yet. We don't know if she's had that hearing. But remember, presumed innocent until proven guilty. So she is... A suspect in this case, she has been arrested, and but we, we have to be very clear here that she is innocent until proven guilty and, again, has an opportunity to speak. Now, please go on and, and discuss what you were discussing with. with well, I, you brought up something that reminded me, and, and Allie, maybe you can answer this, but I also read the press release that was put out by LAPD. It was done in conjunction with the U.S. Marshals. And U.S. Yeah. Marshals typically only get involved. One of their many functions is to apprehend fugitives at large. But trying to figure out why they're involved in a dog napping case. Do you know the answer to that, Allie? Listen, I, I have no idea why I've gotten this much press or gone viral or gotten the U.S. Marshal to look for my dog. But as far as I'm concerned, this has been top notch. <laughs> this is If you were get something stolen, I've definitely gotten the uh, best um, all the different aspects of trying to recover him. It's really amazing. Uh, before we go on to some other details here, I kind of want to hear from you, Ali. I described, you know, just a summary as to what the experience was. But can you tell us how this all unfolded and, and what you saw and what was happening? Because here's the thing, you know, when someone like takes your dog, I, I listened to your interviews and read your comments. And, you know, it's at first it seemed like, I don't know. She, she took the leash, right? That that a woman, a woman here, took the leash and took your dog, and you were like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story. I, I, right now, I just can't believe that those moments before were my last moments with him. Like, I'm, I'm so sad thinking like I didn't when I was shopping at Whole Foods for lunch for us. I certainly had no idea what was in store around the corner. It's just so strange to think that that was all about to happen. Um, we were eating lunch. There were Jehovah's Witnesses there. They were saying, oh, he's so cute. He's picky. He's even picky with the meatballs. He's like trying to decide if he wants them or not. And he was so sweet. And I was just planning on going home and taking him to the park and going home. I had no idea that anything was going on. These people at the same time while I'm eating, they're like probably whiting out their license plate and like making a plan to come around the corner and grab him. And that's just what happened. I mean, I have um, I have a lot of turtles and I have always thought that like when they get missing, it's usually somebody picks them up to try and find the owner. And so my instinct was to think like, oh, you're just looking for the owner. Like, cause I let, like he pulled on the leash and I let go. It, it all happened within one minute. He pulled on the leash, I let go of it, and then I see a woman right there like carrying him off. So it was all sort of like in one motion. And it, in my mind, it was like, oh, no, 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 he's with me. He's, he's my dog, just, I thought it was a misunderstanding. But in the end, um, she didn't listen. And then one of the Jehovah's Witnesses yells, that's not your dog. 
And she just sort of, she had a straight face on. She just wasn't making any facial expression. She had the dog awkwardly dangling under her arms, holding him from like under his um, front arms. So he was just dangling straight down. And she just kind of like spun backwards and got right into this car, which she was in the back seat behind the driver. So I just like thought, I, I don't even know what I thought. It's so complicated. But basically, I she, she she passes the dog to somebody else sitting on the back seat, and the then I I start to like go in after him, but she kind of like blocks me out, and I realize that there were four people in the car. There wasn't much room. It was just very tight, and I didn't know them. And it's strange. Like you're not in the in general, you're not in the mode to just start to be in like action and start fighting somebody or like yelling mean things or like hitting them or grabbing things you're just like a little bit more polite as a human in this world i think and it was if i could think back i wish i was like grabbing and fighting and hitting and i was i was I thought i was in a scene in an action movie like it wasn't like that it was you're totally caught off guard i mean yeah because it's like it's unfolding and your brain is not reconciling what's going on it's like is this a misunderstanding did she think that the dog was lost like that's your thinking you know best intentions not worst intentions like hold on a second this that tug of the leash was someone grabbing my dog you know and running away with it and again happening literally within seconds it it doesn't give anyone i mean i don't think that that's what i would have thought was happening and but you realize that once they got in that car then you your brain flipped and you're like no you're not leaving with my dog and that's the amazing thing is that moment that you just it was the minute you were locked the minute the doors locked and I realized that mm-hmm. I was on the other side of this locked doors and my dog was in there. And I, I just felt this moment of like vulnerability. Like I can't reach him anymore. He's in a different space than me. Like it's locked in. Allie, when you stood in front of the car, your more innocent part of the brain probably said, they'll never, that will I will them. stop them. That will stop them. Standing there was enough to stop a car. I did not have any idea they were about to drive into me. Um, once they drove into me and I was on the hood, I just like felt like, don't leave. I just felt like, stay with me. I just needed my dog nearby. Like he was still so close at that point. I was so far from him, but so close. Like I was still locked. You know, when I was on the hood in the beginning, I tried to break the hood open. Like I took like one, like knock at the, at the windshield and it was so heavy and secure. It was like, Okay, I didn't take another one because it was like, obviously, I wasn't going to break through it, which I've talked to people now and I've learned that you can break windshields. You have to sort of like go around the whole thing and knock it. I've heard there are like tricks to breaking windshields. And I mean, I didn't know I needed to know that. <laughs> but um, oh, my God, I so have instinct to like try and break in. Like I was still trying to get to my dog. Um, I don't even know what Onyx was thinking. I don't know what he's thinking now if he knows everybody's looking for him. <laughs> oh know? my goodness. So so I read that the driver actually tried to hit the brakes to see if if the driver could push you off and that didn't work? No, I think that's how he ultimately got me off. I mean, okay. ultimately, I think he slowed down a little bit more than you see in the video or I would have been more hurt. Um, he must have slowed down and then like sh- he like he like slammed on the brakes while he like swerved to the left and it just sent me like rolling off. Um, was it a male driver? Yes. Okay. It was a male driver and three female passengers. 
Um, I'm not really sure anything about the passenger in the driver's seat. I mean, in the the front the front passenger in the passenger seat or the back passenger, but I just know the two that took the dog and was driving the car. Um, oh my God, and when you rolled off, it is a miracle. It is a miracle that you weren't killed or seriously injured. Yeah, it was a miracle. I I don't know why I wasn't hurt any at all. I, I got um, asphalt burn, but that wasn't anything to like, that's not a problem, that's like a scratch. Um, I was more, I was more hurt emotionally. I was like, not just did I lose my dog, but I'd been defeated. Like I had, they had taken from me. They had controlled me. They had taken from me what I was clearly fighting for against. Um, I, I felt like a failure. You know, I didn't get the dog. He did get away. They did get away with him. Um, I felt like at that moment, there was no one around. I looked around, there was no one. Um, I sort of whimpered and pulled myself up and just said, how am I going to explain this one? I mean, there goes Onyx. Like, I just couldn't even wrap my head around starting to, like, explain this to people. And I, I just, I, I felt so um, stuck. I felt really stuck. I had no, um, I just had to go, I had to go with the flow because there was nothing I could do. It was just being taken from me and I had to just accept it. You fought to the bitter end to save your dog. There's absolutely no question about it. It has been recorded. You know, you absolutely did. What I'm curious about, and it may, you know, I, I realize a month feels like an eternity, especially when your dog has been stolen. But um, given the neighborhood, because there's so many cameras in downtown Los Angeles, that while this video is crucial, to what happened to you, there has got to be more digital forensic evidence here that the authorities are working on getting to further identify the car, the drivers, everything. They got the footage from Whole Foods. It shows the woman picking up the dog, but they couldn't get a facial recognition on her. Um, so there's something to cameras that are annoying too. Like they get almost what you need, but not enough for proof. Mm. Um, I guess legally you need to have more facial recognition. Yeah. What's um, now? What is interesting? Another development here, and this is being reported by the Daily Mail. So we have not been able to confirm this with the LAPD. So please keep in mind that this is the Daily Mail's reporting. They claim to have photos, although the photos they publish are only of the dog. They claim that the photos show the dog on a lap in a car, and that's what we see on the Daily Mail. They claim. Uh, as part of their investigation, that this photo is part of a text exchange with another individual, and the the information being exchanged is about, do you know who would want to buy him for $2,500? And we see a picture of a dog that looks a lot like yours. We can't say for sure who that is. It is not clear. The Daily Mail is making that, that claim. But can you at least, Allie, tell us, is that your dog in that photo? Yes, that is my dog. That is so weird to see him being sold. Um, that's my dog. He looks a little sad. I mean, he maybe always looks a little sad. <laughs> um, but he looks um, confused. Allegedly, that was her text to somebody. So, um, 
Wow. So there's a lot. I mean, clearly there is a lot to this investigation. Lewis, what else do you think is going to be pertinent here in figuring out who was the driver, who else was in the car? What kind of other evidence do you think they're looking at? Well, I, I think it's important, uh, Allie's perspective as to who cause she says she recognized Slater from inside the car. Where was she sitting in the front or the back? She right. was in behind the driver. Behind the driver. She's the one so that carried I, the dog away from me. Mm hmm. And do you, how do you feel? Do you feel you would recognize the other three individuals in the car? Have you, have you um, I, I'm saw lineups? not sure about the other two women, but the man, I was staring at his eyes while he was driving and I definitely know him. I actually just um, identified him and um, they had him arrested when they arrested her. They had him handcuffed, but they didn't recognize him. So they let him go. Okay. Um, so now that they've had me identify him, now they have the ability to go arrest him. So there could be more arrests pending based on your communications with investigators. That also was an assault with a deadly weapon because he was the one driving against me. Oh, oh goodness. Wow. Yeah. They're, all did, did, burglary. They're all yeah. going under burglary right now, but. Yeah, as they should. Um, to answer your question more, Anna, that there's like, as you mentioned, digital evidence out there, right? They all had phones in that car. We know possibly two of the individuals who may have been in that car allegedly. Um, to follow their digital trail and where they went to after that theft, after that robbery. It's an actual robbery. Um, and you know what? It's, it, it's an armed robbery, not with a handgun, but it is a robbery by force or fear. Um, so that that's the same as as using a, a knife or you know, pointing a handgun at you, a different section for the handgun. But regardless, it's by force or fear. That That's a major, major uh, step up from simply grabbing the dog and running. Um, do you, so, I, I have a question here about, um, and you may not be able to share this because clearly you are in, in communications with investigators in this active case. Any idea where the dog could be, if the dog is okay, if it's been sold, anything like that? I mean, I think about this all the time. Um, a part of me hopes he's with their family still under the same um because we know where they are and so i hope that he's there um we haven't spotted him or heard a sighting of him in a while um they obviously had to keep him on hot hidden now that it became such a commodity i'm curious who would buy him knowing all this heat on him um i wish they would sell him to somebody that would turn him in yeah. i've said that there is a reward still out there you know, if somebody were to find him and to, you know, even if you bought him, we'll pay you back the money you bought it for. We'll, um, you know, do anything to reconnect with him. So there is still hope out there. There's a lot of different people and you just, hopefully if somebody is not motivated to do it out of love, they'll do it for the reward. Um, so we want to make the, you know, we want to give $10,000 to the person that recovers him. Um, and it gives them to us because we um, think that that might motivate somebody. Mm -hmm. And it what does. can you, it does, it does in some cases. What can you tell us about Onyx? He's such an unusual looking Frenchie. Onyx is so sweet. He's just, his dad wanted him to be more um, tougher. He wanted him to be a little less friendly to strangers, but that was not Onyx. He just loves people and dogs so much. The minute he somebody wants to talk to him, he goes sideways and wiggles over, and he is just goes in for the the snuggle, 
and he's silly and he um, loves to run and get tired and he loves all the different parks we go to and all of our friends and there's a lot of people out there that miss him um we've he's a big uh, a big a big following of people that love him and miss him so um so many people would be so happy to see him returned and we've I think been putting the whole country you know i've really gotten such love from the whole country i mean everyone wants to see this reunion video when he when onyx comes back home you know Yes, and that's what we're all wishing and praying for. Uh, he's a very unusual-looking dog, so uh, we, we're using his photos. His photos are everywhere, obviously, but for those who may be listening, because we're also a podcast, who may be listening and, and not right now looking at the photo, how would you describe his coloring? Honestly, that coloring is called Merle, and it's sort of black and white, like like chocolate chips or something. It's sort of um, black and white, spotted, mixed, um one of his eyes is green and one of his eyes is blue and um i don't know he's just one he's like one years old in three months so he's kind of his body's changing a little bit right now like he went from he grew to his full size right away um he wasn't a baby he wasn't a little small puppy for so long he grew pretty quickly um but now he's starting to get a little bulkier um and it was cute to see him like starting to like put on a little bit of weight, looking tougher. Uh, but I just wonder what he's eating now. I, I can't imagine what he's eating. And, you know, we're night owls over here. So he was always up late with us. And I don't know if he's probably just in a cage going to sleep early or something. Um, his whole lifestyle was just changed around, you know? So yeah. I, I really want this to be over soon for him. Cause I think that he's gone through long enough. You know, one day was going to be dramatic, but a month. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have with them now. I read that someone had actually tried to scam you, claiming to have the dog and got some money out of you. Can you share that with us? Someone called and said, I am the brother of the driver. I have been living with your dog for the last week. He's in my household. They told me that they bought him. I just saw the news and I found out he's stolen. I cannot believe that he's stolen. I need to get him back to you. Um, I don't care so much about the reward. I just need to do the right thing and get this dog back to you. And we said, thank you so much. He said, I just need, um, some gas money to get to, to meet up with you. <laughs> so we were just so excited. We didn't, we just sent him $50 right away on a cash app. And then he didn't answer for a minute. And then we mm. started texting him and then he came back and answered again. He still continued to have us meet him at this, at the CVS. No. And then like he never like stopped he never like scammed us and then ran like he almost kept kept going then he did kind of like ghost us and disappear but then we like I, and we tried to say like can we give you a thousand dollars for like more information or you know but he i think he was confused what to do but he didn't fall for it he stayed away oh my god it's horrible it's amazing people take advantage of something like that i'm sorry because you're really taking advantage yeah. of people's um, emotions we weren't thinking clearly we we're just sure. jumping at the opportunity to like find our dog yeah yeah absolutely oh, was, just... was onyx chipped um onyx was not chipped oh i'm sorry but i don't think that's going to be the problem in this case in particular yeah, i agree um, i agree he's wearing his ID on the outside for oh, sure. Oh, he's so unique. I mean, that's yeah. what's very special about 
him is that he's so, so unique, you know, um, that hopefully everyone in the dog world is on the lookout for a dog like this because no, no one else looks like him. Yeah. I mean, people have been sending us a lot of um, imposters. Um, they've been adorable and they've been really close. And I found out there are more dogs that look like him than I thought. Mm. As there are a lot of people spotting them and some people really believe it's him. Um, but we've investigated each case and it hasn't been or we finally got to a picture and it's similar, but it's not him. So <clears throat> there's a little bit more out there than just him, but I still think we'll know the situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have had a horrific history here of violence in the Los Angeles area when it comes to the stealing of French bulldogs. Yours is a horrific case that was caught on camera, but then there's this other case and, you know, very, very famous, the Lady Gaga case. And I want to bring this up because it really goes to show um, how vulnerable dogs and dog owners can be. In February of 2021, Lady Gaga's two French bulldogs were stolen from her dog walker. And in that case, the dog walker was shot and wounded during the heist. I mean, this is serious. She offered $500,000 reward. The dogs were ultimately returned, but police determined that the woman who returned the dogs, they claimed was part of the heist. And so they said she should not get the $500,000. Then the woman goes ahead and sues Lady Gaga for the $500,000 plus $1.5 million in damages for the emotional damage that she has Enjoy. suffered, right, in stealing Lady Gaga's dogs. And the judge tossed out that case in 10 minutes and said, this is absurd. But every, I, I have to say this, Allie, ever since that happened with Lady Gaga's dogs, I... You know, when I see someone walking their Frenchie in L.A., I get very nervous. I get really nervous. And now it's your case bad. is... It's just too bad. They're just sweet little dogs. I don't know why they're so expensive. And I don't know. It's just it's just made a target out of them. I, I really feel the odds are really in your favor of getting your beautiful dog back. And, and, and of course, you said it yourself. You have a hell of a team, apparently, uh, in law enforcement that you very much appreciative and doing a great job um and they're passionate about doing everything they can to get uh onyx back so i i feel really good about the outcome here i have to think positive here but i hope you do too i, I know it's tough but i say one more thing um i just wanted to say that my friend from the dog park um they, our little dogs play together and he's such a sweet man tim scully has been um, instrumental in helping me reach the media and you know stay on this i miss my dog more than anything but that doesn't mean i'm a detective or you know or yeah. re ready for this type of like fight i mean it was a lot and he stayed on me every day and said did you call this person did you do this did you make your flyers you know and he just really got me to the point that we now have a lot of help so I just that's wonderful yeah yeah Thank yeah the support of everyone from the dog yeah. park you got Good job, mr scully Thank yeah, you. Good work. And, and Allie, we will be following this case on thank the you. podcast. Uh, we thank you for joining us and telling us your heartbreaking story. And um, I, like Lewis, am optimistic and hopeful that Onyx will be returned to you. Thank you so much for this extra press and more reaching more people and just hoping everybody knows. Yeah. Thank Fingers you. Crossed. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Allie.
Our next case is out of Ventura County, where a female German Shepherd named Pretty Girl was stolen from an animal rescue facility in Camarillo operated by Paw Works. The entire thing was recorded by surveillance cameras. It is horrifying to watch this man drag her out of her crate, her safe space, hit her over the head, pull her out by the collar. Pretty Girl was a three-year-old German Shepherd mix who was rescued by Paw Works from a kill shelter. And they were working on rehabilitating her, making her a more confident dog with the intention and the whole point of finding Pretty Girl, the perfect family that would love her, support her, and understand her. And her chance was taken away, taken away. That dog thief broke in at 2.40 a.m. on June 9th of 2022, and later that morning, the dog was found along the side of the 101 freeway, badly injured. A good Samaritan picked her up, got her to the animal hospital, and because she was chipped, the hospital called Paw Works, who got her to their facility but it was too late, she couldn't survive. When she passed, she was surrounded by people who knew her and loved her. And that to me is important. I am so upset about this case. I watched it unfold in real time, have been wanting to do this case for a long time because um, when I saw the pain and the pleas from Paul Works and from Brittany, who you all are going to meet in a minute, I just was sick to my stomach, especially when the last thing that they had of Pretty Girl was her collar and then the rope that the man used to pull her out by. Yeah. I'm so upset about this case, Lewis. Yeah, no, understandably. And, and, and so am I, and I'm sure many, many, many of our viewers are also. But you bring up a good point with the chip, right? Chip your dogs. It's so important for, for so many reasons, but you described it perfectly. And I've spoken to many veterinarians um, that how important it is to be there with your dog when it's time to let go, uh, whether it's uh, medically done or whether they're just so sick, it's, it's inevitably going to happen. Because all they're doing when those last hours, those last minutes, last minutes come, is looking around the room, looking for you, looking for your family, and that's really the only comfort, the best comfort they can get at that time. Um, so at least Pretty Girl had that opportunity, um, but well, it should have never happened. She shouldn't no. have to go through that at all. And I know this is really raw for us because we're still grieving our animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, Anna. I get it. Oh. All right, let me compose myself here. Okay, so Paw Works offered a $17,000 reward for tips, but what actually broke the case here was that the suspect, this is insanity, Lewis, came back three months later, broke into the facility again. Okay, they have surveillance cameras, they have alarms. The suspect turned the camera away and the way the police broke this case is that neighboring surveillance cameras picked up the person who broke in and then within, 
you know, just a matter of short period of time, they were able to locate the suspect. And we're going to get into greater detail about this case. One, the resources, what happened, um, you know, the difficulty of prosecuting this case. And so we're going to bring on Brittany Vizcara now, who is the director of operations for Paul Works. If any of you followed this case, you saw and you heard Brittany's pain representing the organization in her ordeal to save, to save pretty girl. And in the end, just give her um, a goodbye that was filled with love. I'm so upset about this case, Brittany. And thank you for the work that you do. You're angels on earth. Thank you. Thank you so much to both of you because getting to know you and, and even just hearing the compassion and the care that you guys have behind this and wanting to feature this is just, it's huge for us. And it's huge for animal advocacy and the rights towards crimes against animals everywhere. So thank you. Oh my gosh. I, I want to talk, you know, about this case. And if we can, a lot of times I, I cover a criminal case kind of from beginning to end because it gives people um, the chronology and also the clues that are unraveling in, in real time. So one of the things I'm having trouble with here, Brittany, is why break in to get a dog? Like, I don't even get that part of it. You know, that's been my question this whole time, and I still don't have those answers. I don't think I'll ever have those answers. And to be frank, the what's the most frustrating part of this and you know, everybody going into this thought, who is it? Does he work there? Is he a volunteer? Is it a he? Is it a she? Do they know the facility layout? And I mean, we were dissecting that footage just like everybody else. We had so many people who were all doing the same thing as us. And I I showed this, uh, the reason why I thought the, these animals did not know this person, it was not um, a employee or volunteer, was a very, very simple thing. These animals know us, they love us, they have their everyday ins and outs and schedules with us. And I did a news um, segment and that was the very question that they proposed to me. And I said, watch this. I had them walk into our main room, the room that you see on that footage. And the dogs immediately sensed a stranger roaring, barking. Just it was as bad as it was on that video. I said, okay, now watch this. They walk out. I walk in silence. They did not bark. They did not growl. They did not howl, nothing. And I said, that is the difference. That is why I know that these animals did not know this perpetrator. They know that they didn't know this person because they can sense good and they can sense compassion and love and people they're familiar with. And that was not the sense that they got on that video. And when we found out who this was, we immediately recognized the name. And the only reason- You did. did. Oh. And this is something I think that wasn't um, put out there much just because it was all learned after the fact. The DA knows and, um, you know, the uh, the police knew. I, I can remember this day like it was yesterday, and I swear I blacked out for half of the conversation. But they called us and they said, do you recognize this name, Miles Berry? And at first we said, no, that doesn't sound familiar at all, actually. And then I said, you know what, give me one second. And I searched our database to see if we had ever had an an a person meet with a dog with that name. And sure enough, he popped up. A year prior, he had come in 
and he was looking to adopt and met with our uh, our VP now. And, you know, he just seemed like a guy that was maybe had a past um, and we, we did all of our normal routines and he just looked like he needed companionship or, or what have you. And we did the vetting and everything seemed fine. Uh, and he did a meet. He even took uh, one of our pities on, on a meet and it didn't work out just because of um, allergies or whatever. The dog came mm-hmm. back. She was fine. She seemed to like this guy a lot mm-hmm. and she was one of our very hard to adopt dogs. So we, we didn't get this weird sense. We just got a sense of somebody who maybe had been in a rough past before sure. and to make it better. And based on what we know now, we now understand that his rough past caught back up with him and caused him to become the person who we all saw on that video. And while our exchange with him wasn't vast, he didn't have a sense of the property or he didn't do a walkthrough. You know, he he didn't do a lot of the things people thought he did, but we knew who he was and he, he knew who we were. So he knew that we weren't people who were just going to shame him or be, you know, taken back. And so for him to come back then a year later and say, oh, these people who took that chance on me, who wanted to help me find love or compassion, now I'm going to do the exact opposite to them, was infuriating, to be frank. And because of we had that history, it was very easy to just get a real good timeline of everything going on. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what would cause this person who knew that we would be open to conversation. And if you listen to the court case and see the docket, the lawyer, his lawyer's argument is drug use and um, drug fueled psychosis. He didn't know what he was doing, which I think is a load of something that my dogs create. Mm. And uh, I just don't really buy it. So I don't know. I, they said they wrote us, they said that he wrote us a letter and talking about this, that, and the other, we've never received one. We don't know what his reasoning or anything behind that is. We just heard this very small snippet from his lawyer when they were giving him his sentencing. So I would love to know the answer to that question, but I don't think any answer will be justice for what he did. Brittany, can I ask you, did he have to make any type of admissions or to to obtain this plea deal? Did he have to admit what actually happened to Pretty Girl? As far as I know, in a roundabout way, yes. They he they say that um, his lawyer was stating that he did those things, but does not recollect any of it. He didn't. He he was so brokenhearted over his actions that were caused by his drug use that he didn't recognize what he was doing, his thought process, or anything. So it was a very roundabout way of saying, "I did it, but I didn't." So, I, I yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I think up until that last sentencing, he was pleading not guilty to a fault. Like he was just hitting it really hard, and so was his lawyer, which. I can't roll my eyes about hard enough because the evidence was all there. And I was sitting in the courtroom when this was all happening and it took every ounce of my being, who is a very outspoken person to stay quiet 
my facial expressions did enough, I think, for me. But um, that's what the DA asked, too. They said, so you're saying this is what you did to do that. But what about the second time you came back? That is the part I don't get, that he came back a second time. But think about it, Brittany and Lewis. If he hadn't come back that second time, you may not have caught him. I've been saying that. I've been saying that the reason he got caught is pure stupidity. He was stupid and we we are grateful for that fact because otherwise we would have never caught him. And I think, you know, looking at it, a lot of people, social media played a huge part in this, as does I think anything anymore. But we had so many people who were saying, do this test, do fingerprints, do this, do this, do this. And I, they, it's, it was really hard to put out there and say, that's not entirely realistic. That's not, it's not CSI Miami. We don't have, you know, that that's not real. And our detectives were amazing. The Camarillo police department was through and through and the Ventura, the DA, they were so incredible with this. They were so personable. They checked with, them, with us so regularly and they truly did every single thing they can. And despite their efforts and, and want to test for fingerprints or do this they just simply weren't there our location is on a very busy road surrounded by agricultural fields so it's dusty and dirty and there was nothing to grab and even grabbing those little bits of the kennel the dog kennel you know it's so minute it's barely even a fingerprint so they did everything they could that day but yeah, sheer, sheer stupidity. I, I lost so much sleep after that happened until, I mean, even after, after he was let out on bond, I was just reeling thinking if he's that stupid to do it, what's to say he's not going to come back on bond? What's to say he's not going to just break what he's supposed to do because the court ruled that he should and come back. And, <clears throat> you know, we reamped our security system. I am a very responsible um, gun owner. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. so scared. I was just terrified. I was I, I was terrified that he would do it again, and he did. And the night that he did, our secure, as you had said, we reamped our security system. We had exterior cameras. We changed all the locks to be metal plates, so he couldn't break in. That's how he got in the first time. Was he picked a lock? So, also, let me backtrack and say. To be on such heavy drugs that you don't know what you're doing, but you can sit there and pick a lock. Agree. And have the wherewithal to turn the camera away, right? Be, be very uh, tactical in his approach to, to whatever situation was that day. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't, he, whatever vehicle, because we know he went to Newbury Park, so we know there was a vehicle. Whatever vehicle he was in, he parked it where there's no cameras behind railroad tracks. He covered his face the whole time. He picked a lock silently, didn't break it, didn't break a window, didn't really touch anything. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know what kind of drugs can cause you to forget what you're, to not know what you're doing, but also to be able to do this kind of break in. But uh, the night that he came back the second time, all of our cameras hook up to our phones. We get live feeds, so we're always on our phones. I'm always checking in anything motion i'm on it because now i just am so scared something's gonna happen and that night sure enough my alarm went off and we learned from the last time that the time the alarm goes off doesn't necessarily mean you know the cameras are valid there's a delay there's it was a three minute delay before we got called so 
I'm backtracking, backtracking, looking through all the videos that had happened. And that's when I saw him and I got in my car, pajamas and all, just told my boyfriend, I got to go. And he's like, okay. And I live down the street and I drove so fast, so fast, because at that time, all I saw was this hand grabbing the camera and pushing it away. And I didn't know what I was going to come to, called our detective immediately and just looked at the camera. You can see he's not wearing gloves. So I just grabbed a plastic bag, bagged it, unscrewed it and just said, okay, here you go. It's, he didn't break in. He, he wasn't able to get in that time because fortunately the, you know, all of our efforts paid off. He got spooked by the lights and the alarms and had no keyhole to break into. And um, yeah, that's, that's when he, they got the camera, got his fingerprints. He had been in the system. So it all started there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job. Wow. Thank that you. is amazing. That is amazing. And then they end up serving a search warrant on September 28th on Miles Berry home. And they discovered, they said, evidence that was linking him to both crimes. And so 34-year-old Miles Berry of Newberry was then charged with felony commercial burglary, fel felony animal cruelty, felony attempted commercial burglary with special enhancements, which he initially pleaded not guilty to. I did find that at the very beginning of this case, from what I read that was fascinating to me, is that when he had one of his initial hearings, you know, and they're dealing with bail and all this other stuff, that the judge ordered him to find a new home for his cat while this case was making its way through the system. He, you know, he entered a plea of not guilty, presumed innocent, as we always remind everyone. But the judge said, you find a new place for that cat. Good he's, on that judge. Still doesn't yeah. have the cat. He still cannot have the cat. He's not um, based on his hit the ruling. He's not allowed to have any animals in his possession for at least ten years. Yeah, and they're not living us, but great. Yeah, I if love that. home, it's if somebody else has an animal, it can only be under the circumstance that that animal is a like an emotional support, therapy, etc. That's a necessity, but not to him. Yeah. Wow. So I want to go back to to the beginnings of Pretty Girl. I want to know more about Pretty Girl. And then I also want to talk about that night she was taken because the surveillance video to me is is very intriguing because she's not the first dog he went after. Um, he tried to get another dog out of the kennel of the kennel in the center of the room and couldn't because that that dog just would not. And, it, and so then he looks around and he finds Pretty Girl and manages to pull her out of the kennel violently and then hits her. But tell me about Pretty Girl. Uh, I will do my best to not get emotional because I just can't help it. Um, so Pretty Girl came to us from Avenal, which is a shelter in the Central Valley. And they are incredibly rural, very high euthanization percentages because they simply, to be frank, their county doesn't not the community, but the county doesn't care so much about the shelter. It's very small. If you're looking for it, you'll still miss it. It's off the side of a dirt road. And it's two guys that run it. They care so much and they need help. So we pull from them quite often. And Pretty Girl was one of those rescues. She was incredibly scared of people, scared of human contact, couldn't walk on a leash. She was just I don't know if it was a case of neglect or a case of just no human socialization that caused her to have such a significant distrust. 
And so we had been working with her for just about a year at that point, trying to work with her and rehabilitate her. And she had come a long way. She enjoyed seeing us. She was loving. She had a vibrant personality. She still had her little quirks, but we knew that we were getting closer to that time where we would be able to place her successfully. And she was just, you could walk into the pen. She's the kind of dog who just runs up and puts the full force of her body against you just to feel that contact and love. And, you know, this person ripped that away. It took uh, a year of love and work and just helping her feel safe again to be completely ripped out of that safe space and ultimately lose her life, which is just gutting. It's heartbreaking to know that she had a rough start and then she had a hard end. And we're just grateful that that person who found her acted so quickly. She also gave her so much love leading up to going to the hospital. And um, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're glad that in the end, the ones that were there for her for the last year were there for her in her final moments. It will never take away what happened and it will never take away the fact that she's just not here. And it was because of somebody's selfish choices. And I do mean choices. <laughs> he, yeah. he do this and it's just not fair. So yeah. And I, I have a question for you, Brittany. Um, so what we don't understand is, obviously, we don't know why he took the animal. Okay. Now, the second thing is, so Pretty Girls found a few hours later on the side of the freeway, badly, badly injured. There are two schools of thought on what happened. What do you think happened? So from what we thought, and I guess it kind of goes into the testimony, which... I was waiting to hear that, what what he had to say had happened or his lawyer for that matter. In my, my opinion, as I said, she was not quick to trust people. She had her community, but she still needed to work with new people. And you can see in the video when he does take her, at first, she doesn't really know what's going on. And then she realizes absolutely not stranger danger. And she starts freaking out and trying to get away. That's when he hits her over the head with his phone. And what I believe happened and what I had hoped had happened was that she bit the crap out of him and she got away because she, she was a, she was a tough girl. Like she, she would protect herself. And that I, I was hoping, I said, I hope she got a chunk out of his arm and the police department were putting out to all hospitals saying, if anybody comes in with a dog bite, mm. call us. And well, I hope that he was harmed. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, from what I understand is she did. He he attempted to walk her on that makeshift leash. And she said, I don't know you. And she broke away from him and she took off. And from reports of people seeing her on the freeway, she was running back down the, the grade towards Camarillo as if she knew she was coming home. It wasn't until somebody tried to catch her that she got over and then she was going back up and she was kind of going back and forth for a bit before she was ultimately hit by a car. 
So as far as we know, she she knew it, she was protecting herself and she was able to get away from him. It just unfortunately didn't work out for her to get home. <sighs> I'm just sickened by this whole thing. Just sickened. I'm really sickened. I mean, it's it's been some time, but as it's we think about her every day. You know, we have her paw print in our office and we talk about her all the time and we talk to our staff and our staff has been so excited just that this case was even going through court. <laughs> yes, we agree. Getting Pretty Girl's case to this point is really unbelievable when you look at the statistics. Experts believe as few as point. 1%, not even 8% of animal offenses are even reported. How about that? Ugh. Right? Bar barely even reported, let alone when you start with such tiny numbers, then you try and figure out the prosecution levels. That's why I thought it was important to discuss this case because... I, I, I just have to wonder what the reason is for that. I feel like just being that, being on this side of that, being on this side of this situation, we very much thought nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to care. Nothing's going to happen. We were so, I mean, honestly surprised, but also so grateful that the police department did care so much, that our detective cared so much and that the DA cared so much. It, it but we we went into it very realistically thinking nothing's going to come of this but we're, we're you know we're going to go through the channels anyways and we're going to advocate for her anyways and i in in this certain situation i don't even necessarily think that the reason for them caring was because of our media push i think that that definitely helped just with the awareness in the community but these people genuinely cared. They called us regularly checking in and telling us, hey, no update, but how are you guys doing? You know, no update, but is everybody okay? So it's just stopping by out of the blue to say, how are you guys? Um, and we were very surprised by that. But I, I believe that we went into this thinking almost like what's the point? Because we don't think anybody's going to take us seriously if people are getting harmed or killed or this is happening out in that world, how much are they going to care about my dog? And um, I, I think a lot of people have that mentality and I think we need to help people get out of that mentality and raise awareness, make a stink, keep checking in. You know, if you're getting that detective that maybe doesn't care or that officer that maybe doesn't seem like they're, they're kind of brushing you off. Um, post about it we live in this day and age of social media as you guys were saying like the, the gal who had her dog stolen social media like wildfire and people so many people in this community and in our world care about animal welfare and i think if you just put some muscle behind that we can cause the change and make the people who have that power to to think about it to to do something about it yeah yeah wow. so at um I want to get back to the crime here and what happened in, in the justice system. So on November 9th of 2023, he took a plea deal. So the four counts went down to two counts. Um, he withdrew that not guilty 
and Miles Berry then entered guilty pleas for felony, commercial burglary, and animal cruelty. And the part that I understand he had to admit to was that it involved great violence. Again, not sure it's the full admission y'all were looking for. And on sentencing day, which was December 13th of 2023, which was rather recent, given 180 days in jail, two years probation, and can't have animals. Brittany, are you satisfied with what happened here? I think I'm satisfied that there was an outcome. I don't think any amount of jail time would suffice, but coming from a realistic standing and knowing how the justice system currently works, I am satisfied that he will now have this on his record that anytime he gets anything looked up, he has felony for this. And he will never, ever be able to live his life without what he did tarnishing his name and his reputation. So for that, I am, I am satisfied. I am grateful. Lewis, what do you think? You know, I, 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 I get it. And there's some type of closure to it. And, you know, it's never going to be enough. We've seen that before. And it very easily could have been swept under the carpet here and never given another look at. But I think Brittany ran into the perfect storm, the perfect good storm of, of individuals that actually cared, you know, beyond their job. They were passionate about finding the clown responsible for this. Um, and that's fantastic. As for as for the sentence, you know, I, you know, it, it may never be enough. I, I get that. But one thing I'd love to see, and we've talked about this in other cases where children are abused or molester. I, I would like to see something that equals Megan's law for people who are convicted of animal abuse. I personally, if I'm buying a home, I want to know that the person next to me has killed its neighbor's dog or kills dogs or fights them or, or uses them in a legal capacity that it's not somebody you want uh, around your animals. That person should be restricted from having contact with any animals for the rest of their life. Because um, I don't know if that behavior is going to change on a, a, a justice punishment like this. I know that's going to change their behavior. So I, you talked brought up stats, so I'll just leave with this, but I went to the FBI website and I wanted to know the, the, the percentage of offenders who graduate from harming animals to other worse crimes against humans, because that is a thing. We've heard that in the past on many violent crimes, uh, mass shooting, there's always some, many of them have a history with animal abuse in the younger years previous years uh, study found that 60% of 16% of offenders started abusing animals and graduated to violent crimes against humans. Unbelievably, another 10% in many circumstances offenders or offenders started by hurting other humans and then progressing to an army animals. So when you're dealing with these people and issuing justice, you, you know that you're trying to get them at the beginning of this, behavior and trying to slam it down. And I don't know if that sentence will, will keep him from doing it again, but there's a common denominator, a proven one, uh, that they graduate to other crimes against humans and continue. They'll, they'll never stop. They don't get the buzz that they get. They have to increase the amount of harm and, and the damage that they do to their victims, whether it's human or an animal. Uh, I, don't I have do the perfect have a, answer, but there's yeah, got to be something better. There has to, but, you know, again, the fact that there this was everything from investigation, arrest, prosecution, sentencing, and jail time. 
extraordinary. We don't see this very often, so it's an extraordinary case that way. And we hope that it, you know, sets sets the tone here for other jurisdictions to take these cases really seriously. But I do believe that your video is what undid everyone, because when people saw a pretty girl being ripped out of her crate like that, we all came undone. And as I said, I've been following this case for such a long time. I do have, an, you said that her, her paw imprint is at your office, and I've got Jackie's upstairs. Um, where is her collar? So we actually decided to um, bury her collar at our facility because it just, it gave us very um, bad memories. Everything associated that tied back to that situation and we didn't want to just remember her for that. We wanted to remember her, who she was for that year that we had her and that growth that she showed and the potential she showed. But every time we looked at that, we just thought of what he did and the fact that she was gone because of it. So it is it is buried. It is gone. So we just keep her paw and remember her that way. Uh, it's You know, I was visiting with Lewis in Seattle this weekend, and I was in his truck. And wrapped around um, his headrest of his truck is Rookie was a German Shepherd. Rookie's collar and every time Lewis drives, you can hear his tags jingling. Yeah, I love like that. Like he's there. Yeah, I love that. That says everything about who Lewis is. And then Lewis said to me, well, where is, where's Jackie O's collar? And I said, she's on my nightstand right next to my bed. <laughs> I love so that. So that's why I wanted to know where her collar was, because it, it's just like, it, it's a very meaningful part of them, you know? It's a very meaningful part of them, right? It it's almost like he just um he tarnished that for yeah. us and right. that was really hard but i i'm not sure i i truly hope that with this thought process and with more people becoming so aware and people are becoming so involved with animal welfare and the, the compassion behind it that it's just it's just starting the precedence and i do love what you said lewis about having like a Megan's law. We've, my rest, we've been saying that for so long. And, you know, we, in our system, we have something like that. And, but that's just us. And if we had some, this, this universal bank of information of people who just should not be near around, you know, I mean, that would, my, my pool of people is already so small and that would probably yeah. just, diminish it more you wouldn't want any of these people in your pool anyway so that's okay that's a good slice of the pie to, to yeah. 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 well Brittany, um i know this has been very painful but um hopefully you know some good in sharing this story for others and a reminder that if you do believe that you have witnessed animal cruelty to please call it into the authorities with the hopes that they will take it seriously. Um, just a little bit more about Paw Works. You know, we have people from around the country and actually the globe uh, listen and watch this podcast. Where can people find you? Uh, what's your process for adoption? Where are you on social media? All that good stuff. So um, we are a nonprofit animal rescue. We're actually very small for the amount that we pull, but we're based in Ventura County. 
And we pull from all over California's euthanization list, high kill shelters, rural areas, um, places that are significantly affected with minimal help. And to date, we've rescued just over 16,000 animals from youth being euthanized since 2014. So we're hoping to keep that going. And whether you live here or not, we'd love to have your support, whether that's via donations, adoption. You know, we do adopt out of state. I've even adopted to uh, Canada. (laughs) So um, we're just looking for good homes for these animals. And you can check out our website, which is pawworks.org, or our social media, which is pawworks. We're on Facebook and Instagram very actively. And we would love to get more people involved in animal rescue. And and maybe if you follow us, but you're not local, go check out your local rescues. Go check out your local shelters. Everybody, you know, needs that support, the help. Maybe you're that person who helps a dog like Pretty Girl get the breakthrough that they need. And it's just a matter of spending time with these animals it makes a huge difference so if uh if you're wanting to get involved just check us out check anybody else out and and yeah you can change a dog's life and if you're looking to adopt and you are local or coming in from out of state we are very much um, easy about the meat process we have open adoption center hours friday through sunday you can come on down and meet with as many of our adoptable kiddos as you'd like. We just need, um, we have an age limit of 25. Make sure the home permits the animals in the home, whether you rent or lease or own HOA, fun things like that, photos of the home and yard. But mostly what we're looking for is we're trying to find people with specific lifestyles or availability in their lifestyle to change and those animals. So we're just looking to match you with your perfect fit. And one of our helpful counselors can do that with you. Whether it's an adoption, we have adults, puppies, seniors, medical. Shoot, here I have one dog that's kind of aggressive and one dog that can't walk. So, (laughs) and one cat with no eyelids. So you take everything from cute, fluffy little things to harder to place medical care. Uh, But they all have one thing in common is that they all deserve a home. And- I'll make that happen. So, so special. Yeah, easy. And if you DM us on social media, you're usually corresponding with me. So I'm happy to answer any questions. Like oh, you so you, you're the person I've been DMing. <laughs> 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 it's so funny because I actually, when Jackie passed and I was just so heartbroken, um, I made it my mission to help every rescue I could because she came from the Van Nuys Animal Shelter. That's where I found Jackie. And uh, I went to your fundraiser and you do this beautiful thing at your fundraiser. Your volunteers bring... Um, some of the animals that are available for adoption. And I just stood there and I was just holding a dog and crying. And it was the best thing ever. <laughs> best thing ever. Making me cry thinking about it. Just it's that it's that crazy feeling. It's so cathartic where you're just and we do that because we want people to understand it's so hard when you're doing these galas or fundraisers. Sometimes you're there and you know the concept, you know why you're fundraising, but it becomes this bougie event and you're thinking about that and what's in that moment. And so we like to bring out our rescues to remind everybody, like, these are the animals you're helping us with. These are the faces you're saving. And this is why we're so grateful for you to come to these things and to have that connection. Oh, I do it all the time. I'm probably the most emotional person at work. So 
if you ever see me like in a corner crying, I'm usually hugging an animal, just <laughs> just sobbing, getting a, a healthy release for the day. Yeah, but I sat with one of your volunteers and learned so much about your organization from your volunteer, also a foster, and she travels a long distance to help you. And so I know what you're saying. The bougie thing is like all the celebrities. That's okay. That's up there. But really the, the entire, right, the entire audience almost is just a bunch of people who just care about animals and, and want them to be safe. Yeah, it's true. We're so blessed and we always want to make sure that even if we, if and when we grow and when we do these things, we have our grassroots and we are so grateful to have so many volunteers and fosters in the community because they make the difference. We, as I said, we are small, so our funding is limited for staffing and without these volunteers, it just, it wouldn't be possible. And we're so blessed and all of those people who show and, and we know, we know that these bigger events are kind of pricey. So, so we even have like other events throughout our community all of the time, because we think it's very important to be weaved in throughout our community. It's not just these big bougie events. Those are they're fine. They're they're fine. It's nice to it's nice to not look like I'm covered in dog poop all the time. But, you know, it's those people who see me covered in dog poop that don't recognize me at these bougie events because I look so clean. Those are the ones that you know make this possible. Truly. Well, Brittany, it's been a pleasure to get to know you, and I'm very sorry for everything you've been through. But I'm so grateful that you and Paul Works exists. Thank you. And I'm so sorry for your guys' loss too. I can't even imagine. So our heart, our whole team's hearts are with you guys and we appreciate you highlighting animal cruelty and in, in, in um, prosecution. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you for your great work. Keep it going. Lewis, this has been um, a truly special podcast, an emotional one, um, a special one though, and one that I think is important. So thank you so much thank for you, helping it, us it, do this. Um, thank you, Anna. It needed to be done, and I'm glad we did it, and I'm glad, very happy and proud to be part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Lewis, where can people find you uh, on social media or elsewhere? Yes, ma'am. I'm at getbitinvestigations.com. My entire social media footprint is there. Thank you. That makes it much easier. <laughs> I'm Anna G. News, Anna with one N, and um, I do post a lot about dogs. <laughs> rescues uh, with my work for a purposeful rescue here in Los Angeles. And um, we know so many of you are true animal lovers. You know, Lewis, um, one of our subscribers is a member of the Michigan Chihuahua Club, you know, on Facebook. It's a Facebook page for Michigan Chihuahuas. And they invited me, even though I'm in LA, to join. And I was just so touched, so touched. Wow. You know, I, I just want to make add. Uh, Paw Works, and it's an amazing organization. But like you mentioned earlier, there are many, many organizations across the country that are like Paw Works. And the organization that helped uh, find Rookie and rescue Rookie, my dog, um, and hooked us together, one of the things they did, and all these organizations do, that I find so fascinating, this is how passionate these folks are. But when there's an emergency or uh, catastrophe, uh, like a fire, that's a was rookie situation. Law enforcement emergency crews many times won't go into areas where it's just out of control. They pull people out of there. They won't go in there to rescue animals. They just don't. But the permit up, but 
the the rescue unit that brought a uh, uh, rookie to me, 19 girls strong, they would and they did. And they saw a rookie on the news almost every day running through these fires, the fire closing in. They chased him and they got him and they, he was hurt. He was burned uh, and, and they took him to shelter and got tons of media for it. And, uh, you know, I was one of thousands of people who got to write a letter to try to adopt that dog. I saw him and I, I knew I, I wanted him and he'd be a good fit. Uh, and son of a gun, right, ended up with him, but only because of the work that these organizations put in. They changed uh, my life and I, hope, I think they changed Rookie's life too. But while the benefit incredible so thank you to every organization out there that does this kind of work it's just your heroes and uh you don't get enough attention yeah i every time i look at that video of the rescue organization saving rookie who would end up being your dog i just cry i just cry yeah. so much because he was so scared yeah so scared he was and boy did he get a great family <laughs> I like to think so. He seemed pretty happy, right? He definitely made me happy. But uh, yeah, we spent a ton of time together, but would have never happened unless these organizations existed. Uh, yeah. So thank you. Yes, all volunteers out there. Thank you. Thank you for making a difference. And you know what? Even the people that work in the animal shelters, you know, they have to make hard decisions, which of course upsets all of us. But so many of them are instrumental in working with these rescues. Like Brittany said that she, the two people who run the rescue where they got pretty girl constantly on the phone saying, you got to come, you got to come. And that's what happens with a purposeful rescue. We get calls all the time from these special workers or volunteers at, at these shelters who are like, we got one here. You got to come, you got to come. Um, and that's what we do. I mean, there's nothing, that's the only way. That's the only way. It takes a village, a village of human beings, right? It does. Who yeah. just a beautiful thing, beautiful yeah. thing. We're all part of these communities. So, um, again, thank you, Lewis. You can find this episode and all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to our website and subscribe to get your newsletter. <sighs> My goodness. This has been a special episode of True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. And as we always say, don't do crime. <laughs>